0: so grateful this morning that in these times of uh, uncertainty and uh, restlessness that there is something very certain in fact a place where we can rest our souls we thank you for being with us in the weariness and in the challenges we thank you for forgiveness when when it gets the best of us and we find ourselves acting out in ways that uh, well we just know they don't reflect you so we come today again to hear your word to be reminded that you have grace As we come, that there is forgiveness. And we thank you, too, that there is hope. We pray that you might do your work among us in surprising ways, even during these difficult times. So we pray, as your people, the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So, I don't know, maybe there's already a book that's been written about this, but I had an idea for a book this week. I think the title would be Life Hacks for New Husbands. Don't you think that would be handy? <laughs> Don't you think that one would uh, it w- it would sell? And I think a lot of the chapters you guys could suggest today, I mean a lot of us learn a lot of important lessons the hard way that first year of marriage. And and there's one of those lessons that came to mind as I was thinking ironically about our our, our text this week. And um, Well, it happened our first year of marriage, and I would say that the chapter title might be, when you say yes, you may also be saying no, okay? When you say yes, you may also be saying no. Now, here's a story behind that. Kathy and I had been married all of five months, and we had never been apart during those five months, and it was deer hunting season, and she knew, yeah, it was about, yeah, this time of the year, and she knew that she married a deer hunter, so... She said goodbye, and I went up to do what we severs do uh, on that first weekend in November and uh, hunted. And as I came back home to our basement apartment, we were stu- I was a student in seminary at the time, and, and I said, honey, I'm home. And, and she came around the corner and gave me a hug and maybe a kiss, I don't know. I smelled like I'd been deer hunting. Um, but then the phone rang, and it was my friend Dave, he was calling from, uh, from uh, the high school gym, Hillcrest, it, there in Fergus Falls, and he said, Oh, good, you're home. We need you to come and play basketball. We have nine guys, and you'll make it ten. I looked at Kathy, whom I hadn't seen all weekend, and said to Dave, I can't. I've been gone, and I just got home. So he mentioned again, we have nine guys, and with one more, we'll have ten. Ten. And it'll only be an hour and a half. So I looked at Kathy. And I looked back to the phone and I said, Okay, I'll be right over. But I can't play long. Kathy said, Who is that? I told her about the crisis at the gym. That I needed to go. They needed me. And I could see my new bride was both sad and hurt. I'd been gone all weekend. I just got home and now I was going to leave to play basketball. I saw a tear. And I got angry. <laughs> I don't know, sometimes when you feel guilty, do you cover it with anger? Boy, I did. I was... So I said to her, um, um, you know I have a hard time saying no. To which she said, well, Jeff, you don't have a hard time saying no to me. Uh, huh? I've never forgot that. <laughs> I don't know if I was taking for granted, you know, our relationship, our love. That 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 so- somehow it was easier to say no to her that she would forgive me later, or if I I don't know if I was fearing the consequences of showing up at class that next week and having my basketball buddy say, "Oh, Jeff, who wears the pants in your family?" You know, because Kathy has been awesome about letting me have my time away. That wasn't it at all. But I learned that lesson. You don't have a hard time saying no to me. Because when, I, when we say the yes to some things, we end up saying no to other things. When God called you into your relationship with Christ, when he called you into salvation, there is no more wonderful relationship a human being can have to know his love, to know his forgiveness, to know his security. But this is the reality. When when we say yes to his incredible offer of life with him, we do say no to some other things. And sometimes there's a cost to saying no to other things. And sometimes we realize that if we don't say no to these other things, we'll be dishonoring our Lord but if we say yes to them, it'll make it easier in the world. Cuz we won't have to put up with some of the well, some of the the resentment or or some of the belittling or suffering for doing something that we were tempted to do but knew that we shouldn't do. This morning we are going to be in a part of uh, God's word where We're going to see that when we come to know Christ, we come to him not in the sense of just adopting a religious mindset, but with our whole lives. And when we are followers of Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, we do say no to some things in the world that we maybe used to say yes to, but now we're free from that stuff, so we can say no to it, but it might cost us something to say no. And we'll also hear that when we say yes to Christ, We say yes to a new life, and it's the life that we were created for. It's the life that flows from Him into our lives, and we're a blessing in this world. And sometimes the world doesn't understand, and we may suffer for that too. We've been calling this series of sermons Encouragement for the Scattered. And the reason that we called it that was because in the very first uh, verse of this letter from from Peter, it it, it addresses uh, the, the readers as God's chosen or God's exiles scattered across the provinces. And we thought, oh great, we all feel scattered. We feel scattered at home, we feel scattered at work, we sit in this crazy configuration at church, we don't sit in rows, we scatter even here at the church. Let's talk about encouragement for the scattered. And and, and I hope it's been, uh, been helpful because there are aspects of this time where we need to, to, to lean a little harder into God's grace because it's not always easy. But I think if we would have done a more accurate job of, of naming this series, it would have been encouragement for the suffering. Encouragement for the suffering. You know how, how many times in this small letter that the Apostle Peter uses the word or refers to either suffering or uses the word suffer. He uses it 18 times. That's more than any other book of the Bible. It's double more than the next closest book in the Bible. I thought, man, Job must talk a lot about suffering. Yeah, do you know how many times the word suffer or suffering appears in Job? Seven times. So what is going on in Peter's heart that he would be so, um, so moved to write about suffering? I'll tell you what's going on in Peter's heart. It's, what going, it's what's going on in our Heavenly Father's heart. It's what's going on in Jesus' heart. You see, Jesus understood, God understood that at this time in the life of the church, things were going to get difficult, and it was going to get difficult soon. There was already some difficulty, but it was going to get difficult. More intense. So, God, out of His great love, prompted Peter to write a letter to these provinces because the persecution that was beginning to foment in Rome, Nero would soon send out into the provinces. They were beginning to feel it, but it was going to get a little more intense. In fact, Peter was just a couple years away from being crucified like his Savior was, but not like his Savior. Peter didn't feel worthy to be crucified, crucified like Jesus, so he asked to be crucified upside down. God knows that this is part of following him, and he loves us, and he wants us to sustain us. He knows how vulnerable we are during times of suffering. And it's only in understanding the story and the work of Jesus that we understand this aspect of our lives as followers of Jesus. Because really, suffering does not make sense. Why would someone want to give her life to someone who that relationship would result in suffering? Let's listen to this uh, uh, fourth chapter of this letter together and then we'll think about this for a few moments. They're surprised that you don't join them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God regarding the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. For it is time for judgment to begin with with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So in this letter... Paul's addressing those who are beginning to experience in their lives the cost of being a Christian. And by God's grace, they are being prepared to have a perspective that the world would never give them. Human beings would never think this way. Why would we think that it's an honor to suffer? Only if we know God's plan for us in Jesus. Peter had kind of a... Uh, a, a, a very, um, what should we say? He, went, he, went, he had a high, high, and a low, low in a very short period of time. <laughs> okay? He had a very teachable moment as, as, as we find in Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to read this together beginning with verse 13. Jesus now was closing in on, on kind of the the, the, the culmination of, of, of his ministry. He had been revealing himself to his apostles and don't think that it was any small thing for ordinary people like us to have someone in their midst that was like them in every way and come to the understanding that oh this must be the Son of God. That's a huge step. But Jesus was revealing himself to them, not only in his words, but in his deeds. And God was at work. Jesus is assessing where he's at with this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, we're told in Matthew 16, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? That's that's how he referred to himself often, the Son of Man. They They replied, Well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And this is the most important question we're ever asked, right? But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. (laughs) Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven and I tell you that you're Peter which means rock and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah Messiah is a powerful word Messiah means hope Messiah means restoration that everything will be set right and Peter was just informed that he was going to be part of God setting everything right because he was walking on the shoulder of Messiah. And Peter's, can't you imagine how filled with with joy and hope he is at this time? He said, follow me when I was fishing back home with my brother as part of my dad's business. And I'm so glad he did. I'm in the company of the son of God. This is awesome. Let's continue reading. Verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and then he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it for? What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? (laughs) For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. Peter didn't understand suffering. That just seemed like so wrong. Why would Jesus suffer? We know why Jesus suffered. We know why Jesus died. He did it for you and for me. And God ordained that this is how he would bring us salvation. That he would suffer and die for us. Our suffering, in effect, does not uh, do what Jesus' suffering did. Our suffering does not atone for the sins of other people or for ours. But suffering would be a part of the way of Jesus. Jesus certainly would bring the glory that he promised as the Messiah. But in the meantime, he is gathering broken people like you and me across the planet. He's gathering us in our need and in our brokenness to himself. And he's pouring out salvation through the good news of Jesus Christ. That ordinary sinners might find themselves identified as heirs with Jesus. But also sharers in his suffering. You see, we bear his name and we bear his mission, which means we join him in his suffering. We say no to some things that we wouldn't say no to if we were still living for ourselves, but we aren't living for ourselves. We're living for the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Who wants to suffer? (laughs) And if we focus on our suffering, that can be a very dark place. But if we turn and focus on our Savior, the light starts coming back. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't do this as if it was no big deal. The night before he was arrested, remember his prayer in the garden? What did he pray? He said, Father, if it's possible... Could you take this cup from me? But not my will, but your will. It was part of God's plan. So Peter, in that moment, the courageous, bold, passionate guy that he was, was humbled by this fact that his master was going to suffer. And it was going to be more than just glory, that it would involve suffering. Some of the suffering that we're in the midst of right now has nothing to do with being a Christian. It has to do with living in a broken world. All of creation is groaning, we're told in Romans, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Right now creation's groaning, isn't it? We're in the midst of a global pandemic. And Christians have a wonderful opportunity to reveal the love of God in our response during this time. Absolutely. But the kind of suffering that Peter is talking about is the kind of suffering that we would not experience if we, if, if we hadn't said yes to Jesus, if we hadn't opened our heart to Jesus. And we only understand, as God gives us grace to understand, I'm sure Peter thought about this a lot. Why would our Savior go, uh, suffer willingly? Why would he knowingly go to his death? He did it for you and me, and he, and he trusted. He trusted Jesus. It would not be long before Peter's readers would uh, begin to experience what Peter prepared them for by God's grace, giving them perspective on their suffering. Peter himself was just a couple years away from his death. But do you think that they understood that it would be worth it? I'm sure they struggled like us. But they had the long view. They had the long view. They understood that those who seem powerful now and were the source of their suffering, that they would stand before God one day with that on their lives, on their record. Makes you shudder to think how that's gonna go. Not that we're perfect, but we're gonna stand before God. We're gonna stand before God, and our sins have been forgiven. The guilt has been taken away. The judgment is no longer pointed towards us. Jesus took that judgment on the cross. And if we, Peter says, we're honored to suffer with him in this life. Can you imagine what he's going to say to us when we were not ashamed of him or ashamed of suffering for him in this broken world? When we see him face to face, we live for him. We love him because he loved us. And the enemy will use anything and everything to try to confuse that, including if you're suffering, why are you serving? To which we say, you just have to know Jesus to answer that question. So I don't know if you're at a place now where this is something that God is using to speak to your heart. I don't know. But I encourage you to take the long view. Jesus took the long view. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we read this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, these are the martyrs that are described in chapter 11, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame. Suffering did not have the last word in Jesus' life. Christian, it will not have the last word in your life either. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Maybe right now you're feeling depressed of following God. It hurts in your situation. It may have to do with a a lack of uh, unity in your home regarding your faith. Or finding yourself on the outside of the peer group at work because of your faith. Or some of our teenagers, man, let's love these guys and pray for them. It's not easy to be excluded in social circles because of your faith. That's why we're so grateful to have things like a youth group to gather, a church to gather. Brothers and sisters uh, uh, in, in our lives that are just a text away so, so we can gather. Put a bookmark in First in, in, in Peter, maybe even this chapter, that when we need it most, we can be reminded of these words. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin as a result they do not live like the rest of their earthly they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires but rather for the will of god dear friends don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed, and if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you that Your Word is uh, is true. It is timeless. It is living. It is the instrument, the primary instrument of your grace, not only to bring us to salvation, but to keep us as your people. It speaks encouragement when we need it most. So, Father, I thank you that you have a word for us when it hurts. It hurts to do your will. But we thank you that you are very aware of that. And as we think of the long view and standing for Jesus, may we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Realizing that one day these things now, uh, which seemed really so uh, difficult, because they are. Oh, but when we see our Savior, what a difference it's going to make in how we see them. Forgive us for the times when, because it's hard to say no to the world, we say no to you. We thank you that you do forgive us. But give us grace to see, not as the world sees, but as you have revealed to us, Jesus. That when we suffer for bearing your name, we're in good company and you don't forget. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.